1: Good morning, I'm Ann Romer, and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Friend of the show, Gulfstream Park's handicapper, Brian Nato, joins us again today to talk about Kentucky Derby preps. We're going to have a dandy for you with the running of the Grade Two $400,000 Fountain of Youth Stakes, part of Gulfstream's stakes-filled card today with nine stakes races, including the Fountain of Youth. Brian will join us to break down the stakes races and suggest a couple of betting plays on the outstanding Gulfstream. Park card today. Also on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, there was a serious fire in the paddock at Rideau-Carlton Raceway a couple of weeks ago. This was in Ottawa. On the show today, a local horseman, John McMillan, will bring us up to speed about that Rideau fire and also talk about the outlook for the 2023 track opening scheduled for March the 22nd. Long-time and steadfast friend of the show, Woodbine's Mark McKelvey makes his return. Who better to talk about the current Woodbine-Mohawk Park harness meet than Mark, who will also update us on the Woodbine backstretch, a beehive of activity right now as the Thoroughbreds ship in for the 2023 season. And finally, he's back. My co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine Mohawk Park and some other North American tracks racing today with our ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocketship Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show, so please get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready for some heavy-duty action today. When we return, Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news.
0: Ponies 24-7 The Radio Magazine Brought to you by Woodbine Woodbine Mohawk Park Ontario Racing And Rocket Ship Racing More from the track when we come back On 105.9 The Region
2: Go from dark horse to winner Dark horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app That brings the thrill of the track right to you Its AI-powered insights and strategies Help you make smarter bets Straight out of the gate
0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer, and let me introduce you to my co-host, Larry Simpson. Larry, it's all about the weather here in the GTA. I mean, what a storm last night! But mm-hmm. also, we're looking at California. They've been to heck and back weather-wise.
4: Yeah, they have, and and we saw, you know, last week uh, pictures of you know Santa Anita Racetrack with the mountains in the background and the, and the snow, and, and it uh, it really, if you didn't know that was Santa Anita, you could have said that was Toronto, right?
1: absolutely terrible. And so that postpones a whole bunch of stuff. What is it looking like today and tomorrow?
4: Well, they've got uh, all systems go at Santa Anita. They've got uh, a prep race for the Kentucky Derby and a couple of other stakes races. And... uh yeah, and then we have our friends down in uh, Gulfstream in Florida. They've got uh, maybe nine stakes races today, including the uh, Grade Two Fountain of Youth, which is a Kentucky Derby prep as well.
1: Well, let's bring in Brian Natto. He is uh, Gulfstream Park's on-track handicapping part of the crew, and it's a really big day today. Brian, welcome to the show. And before we get started talking about all things horse racing, can you give us a weather forecast for Gulfstream Park today?
5: Yeah, thanks for having me again. Uh, I can give you a weather forecast. I don't know if you're going to really want to hear it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm more than happy to give it to you. It's going to be about 90 degrees and uh, mostly sunny out and no rain in the forecast whatsoever. So um, we are in a good spot here on one of our signature weekends and uh, looking really, really forward to it. The weather in and of itself uh, on a, as a whole has been uh, beautiful and, and found the youth day is here and uh, it looks as good as any day we've had uh, this year.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about the championship meet that's been going on at Gulfstream since, uh, well, December. Um, what's racing been like and, and the handles, and are they good?
5: Yeah, Larry, everything's been really, really good, kind of all systems go. Um, you know, we, uh, we we got the turf course back in early December, and I think it's been pretty well received. The field sizes have been good, handle, We set a record handle on Pegasus World Cup Day on January 28th, Hmm. and the pools have been really, really large. We've got the Rainbow Sixes, you know, in the millions, and we're going to pay that out on Sunday just to double back around after what we expect to be. You know, an astronomical fountain of youth Saturday, 14 races and nine great, nine stakes.
1: So that would be today, and it's going to be quite a yeah. day. So, so, what do you, to what do you attribute, though, this incredible surge in success in terms of, of, of betting and numbers and money?
5: Well, I mean, Gulfstream is the winner place to, to be, and, you know, we have such potent all-star Hall of Fame kind of connections down here. And, you know, people love betting turf races, and you get full fields and and, and things like that. And it's just kind of the, the perfect you know, uh storm almost of, of everything, you know, with with connections and, and quality horses and racing and deep and competitive fields. You know, you see some of these turf races with four to one favorites. People just love getting involved in those kind of you know, spots and, and then on power cards like today, Fountain of Youth Day, Pegasus Day, um, they, they just send it in because it's a national uh, it, it, it's d day, you know, and, and everybody, all eyes are on it, and, and so it's just the perfect time to to get involved. And this card today is, you know, doesn't take a back seat to anything out there, and even Pegasus World Cup Day. So we we, we just can't wait to watch it all unfold.
4: I want to get back to uh, today's uh, racing at Gulfstream in, in a little bit, uh, but I, I want to talk about you first. Your your role at, at uh, Gulfstream and the path you took to get to where you're at now.
5: Yeah, just living the dream Uh you know, I, I grew up just not too far from uh, Saratoga and was just a racing fan in my teens really I didn't go there quite a bit. Uh, I never went there, I should say, as, as a youngster, but then just got kind of inundated with racing and uh, just kind of, I, I, I interned at Naira in, oh boy, 2006, and, and then I went on to, to work for uh, Sean and Joe Clancy, who are Eclipse award-winning writers in the sport, and then kind of morphed into horse player now with my good friends jeremy plonk and joe kristofek who are you know very well known nationally in racing joe's now the the tv guy at that churchill downs and fairgrounds and then joe brought me to fairgrounds a couple winters ago and i was fortunate enough to to get this job at goldstream now in my you know going on my second uh full year here so um it's it's just uh been very very fortunate to my my career in racing and now you know at Gulfstream Park a year round job and uh, just such a beautiful climate and world class racing
1: uh, you know without a doubt and like you said living the dream but what drew yeah. you Brian to handicapping well you know you just
5: start you, when you grow up near Saratoga it's always uh, always you know in, in the forefront and, and uh, you know handicapping in and of itself I think it's just so, it's it's cool to be able to figure out, uh, it's a puzzle, you know, and to be able to figure it out and and have that kind of leg up on, you know, it's a competition too. And and some people like to to play slots and not have to think about it, and after a busy week, you know, work. and I understand that, but you know, to me, I, you need to scratch that itch a little bit, and that, you know, you got to put the work in and get rewarded at the end. And you know, it's I've, I've always liked that aspect of it, and, and putting the work in and doing the work and trying to figure something out that you know maybe you couldn't figure out, or vice versa, for that matter, too. So I, I've always enjoyed that part of it.
4: Well, obviously, working at fairgrounds. And Gulfstream, where you are now, you could say they're probably your favorite racetracks for one reason or the other, but is there one other one that kind of, you know, sticks out that, uh, you know, growing up or, you know, even during now your career that you've been at and you say, wow, you know, I really love this place.
5: Yeah, I've been to a lot of fun places. The old Gulfstream Park, actually, before it was rebuilt and earlier in the 2000s, was probably my favorite place. But, you know, every everything's got its own little niche, Saratoga growing up there and, being able to spend my summers there was is certainly high on the list. You got Keeneland as well. I always enjoyed going to Oak Lawn and Hot Springs for a little bit. But um, you know, here at Santa Anita, you have to mention Santa Anita with the background and the mountains out there. And again, the weather out there is well, you know typically <laughs> it typically. is beautiful out there. <laughs> yeah. um, and not the case last week, but we're glad to have our sister track back. And they've got we've got to give them a shout out today too, because they have a huge huge day as well. It's big cap day out there, Santa, the historic Santa Anita handicap and their San Felipe is going to funnel some horses into the Derby and on the path to the Santa Anita Derby. So, you know, it's, uh, it's Gulfstream in Santa Anita on Saturday, and just uh, it's it's cool to have it uh, bookended the country kind of.
1: And before we get into the details about what's going to happen today in terms of stakes races, I just want to go back to something that you said that piqued my interest. You say that handicapping for you is like a puzzle, but there are so many variables because you're talking about trainers, you're talking about a living, breathing horse, you're talking about a living, breathing jockey. How do you put all of the pieces of the puzzle together properly?
5: Well, that's the sixty-four thousand dollars question. There's, there's no doubt, and and everybody does it a little bit differently. Um, you know, to me, I, I kind of the good thing about working in the industry is you can get a good grasp of of your product, of your horses, and you see them a lot. Now, days like today, on Fountain Youth Day, you have a lot of newcomers, and you really just need to do your homework. I, I watch a lot of videos um you know to try to get that that i feel like is the one thing that that might be the one stone that's unturned a little bit not everybody has the time to watch videos i spend a lot of time doing it when i say videos i mean race replays um so i i look at that and i try to find you know a nuance there but you know the pace of the race things like that are are very very important certainly connections are important and you know, we've got a guy like Irad Ortiz down here, seemingly winning four or five races a day. But we also have a world-class jockeys room. So, I, I mean personally, I don't put as much emphasis on that as maybe a, you know as other people do, because I, I really feel like our our top seven or eight or ten jockeys are the, the difference is not that that much. If you've got the right horse, you can do the damage. Um, but you just kind of throw it all into a pot and, and mesh it together, and, and hopefully it works out for you. You know, I always kind of say. You know, you, there's never too many clubs in your bag when you're when you're handicapping. You know, and if you can unearth something or, or add a little nugget, uh, maybe that somebody doesn't have or somebody they didn't pick up on that, that's just
1: never ever a bad thing. You're so articulate. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right, well,
4: right, you're articulate. Let's see if you can pick some winners for us, Brian. Let, let's talk yeah. about the. Let's talk about the Fountain of Youth. Uh, obviously, it's the first uh, race of the year for uh, Forte, who. I saw a parade in the uh, paddock the other day, and he looked pretty good. He looked pretty calm in that. Uh, Can he be beat?
5: Well, if you're going to beat Forte, um, today is the day to do it. Uh, It's it's a big race. There's Kentucky Derby points on the line, but they're they're all looking to advance down the path of the Derby and certainly the the Florida Derby and maybe the Kentucky Derby. So you've got to take that into account, and – uh, you know, see, I'm sure the screws are not fully tightened for 4k today. So it's, if you're going to try to beat them, this is a good spot. And of course, we're talking gambling as well. And he's going to be in the three to four to five vicinity. So uh, you're never going to get a better t- time to try to do it. If, if that's for you, if you're, if you're not, maybe you single him in the big horizontals that we have and you move on. But um, me personally, yeah, I think it's a good it's a good time to at least try there.
1: Yeah, and and talk about Forte. Can you give us a description yeah. of, of that horse?
5: Yeah, sure. And he, I mean, he, he's you, you can't take anything away from him. There, there, there's no doubt uh, about that. He's a two year old champion, and I think it's significant too that where he won his championship at Keeneland is the exact same kind of cir- uh, circumstances he's going to get today. And what I mean by that is a short stretch finish line of the Fountain of Youth like it is at Keeneland, like it was in the breeder Futurity. Now, some horses, it's a, just a different kind of, uh, uh, different kind of race. You're, you're going to come off the far turn, and the finish line is going to be pretty close. And what that can do is carry speed horses a little bit. But Forte, to his credit, who's not a speed horse, he has shown that that's not an issue for him. He's got the tactical speed to get his right kind of trip, and, and I don't expect anything different, uh, you know, later to that.
4: All right, let's uh, uh, ask you to look at one of the other stakes races, and is there a best bet that you like on the day?
5: The best bet is actually in race 12, and that's the Devona Dale. That's a three-year-old Philly race, pretty important prep for the Kentucky Oaks, and the best bet is undervalued asset, is the five. Now, she was beaten by the favorite red carpet, Ready who's three for three, but in that, that, and that was in the local prep, that was the forward gal, but in that race, undervalued asset was just had only run one time, whereas red carpet ready was already a stakes winner. So she was spotting a lot of experience to her. Um, But I thought she ran very well. She put a little scare into red carpet ready off the far turn. And, you know, she did get repelled and she was beaten relatively comfortably. But if you do watch the race, there's no doubt about it. She showed up and said, you're gonna you're gonna see me again, and you're gonna remember who I am, and that that spot is today, and I think stretching out to a mile. She's also did well to draw outside red carpet ready, and I think that's very important too. So undervalued asset is my best bet of the day. Huh.
1: Brian Natto, you have set the table beautifully for today's stakes races. We are very excited, and I just want to say thank you uh, from us here at Ponies 24-7 and you at Gulfstream Park, where the high today is predicted to be 90 degrees Fahrenheit. How is that fair, Brian? It's not. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, how is that fair?
1: <laughs> it's
5: probably not. It's going to fare very hot here, i <laughs> sure, but that's also... That's also not a complaint, so yeah. we're we're looking forward to it. And uh, I always appreciate uh, you having me on. It's a lot of fun, and you know you guys, you know my number. Look me up anytime. It's always fun to chat with you,
4: Brian. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem, Larry. Anytime.
1: When we come back, Standard Bread trainer John McMillan joins us next on Ponies Twenty Four Seven, the radio magazine.
0: Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. We'll be right back.
6: Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view the award winning Hyundai lineup today as the I Love Winter event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905 851 2851 or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the
7: smart choice. Ontario Racing The excitement of thoroughbred, standardbred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the
0: excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 1059 The Region. Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. We recently reported a fire in the paddock at Rideau-Carlton Raceway. It did some damage to the Ottawa racetrack. And friend of the show and standard bred trainer John McMillan joins us right now to talk about, of course, the fire and how preparations are going for the March 22nd opener at Rideau. John, welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Good to have you back again.
8: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get right
4: into it, John. Uh, Obviously, the the fire was was devastating, but uh, uh, talk a little bit about it, what caused it, and how is the uh, cleanup going on it?
8: At this point, the cause is unknown. Um, Obviously, it was a big shock to everyone. It was a 62-year-old building, Mm. um, but it was the paddock for the entire lifespan of Rideau-Carlton, So, so many memories Mm. going up in smoke for so many great horse people over the years. It was absolutely devastating to our racing community.
1: And I guess I have to ask, and hopefully the answer is no, were there any fatalities?
8: No, no horses, uh, no people involved. Uh, That was the number one concern immediately when the fire was discovered. Uh, And thank goodness it didn't happen on a race night with 100 horses in that paddock.
4: Right, right. Well, okay, so... How is the reconstruction going and are you going to make opening night and what are they going to do about the horses when they ship in?
8: Well, we are very fortunate at Rideau Carlton in that we have stabling for 120 horses and there were some empty barns. In fact, one had to be renovated uh, in an attempt to still make our opening, which is scheduled for March the 19th. Okay. And even horsemen pitched in with track management Uh, There was a day where 40 or 50 of us showed up to uh, try to renovate this barn. We're all dying to get back racing, and we'll do anything to make it work, and that's the bottom line.
1: Can you explain the kind of reconstruction that is necessary? We haven't seen the
8: plans for the new paddock, but we're told that it will be in place by November of this year. So an alternative measure had to be taken quickly because we're running out of time, and Track management, along with the AGCO, has come up with a plan using um, an older barn and moving everything to that location and securing it and so on. Um, but there are some difficulties with that, and everybody's going to have to be a little bit patient and flexible. But we we think it can work. We're going to make it work.
1: And the reporter in me can't help but ask this. Is there a suspicion when it comes to this fire? Was it arson?
8: We don't believe that. There's been no talk of that at Rideau-Carlton. It happened, and within 12 hours of the fire, we were just moving forward and trying to figure out what we're going to do to get racing started. And we don't believe anybody would have any ill will against Rito carlton or the Panic.
4: Okay, let's talk about you now, John, and uh, your training career. uh, What was 2022 like for you?
8: Actually, 2022 is one of my worst years ever. Really, uh, Everything that could go wrong pretty well went wrong. I think I still had 50 wins, but it, it wasn't the year I hoped to have. Um, I'm hoping to turn it around a bit this season. I've got a stable of I'll have 10 or 12 horses, and I'll race probably 80% at Rideau Carlton and uh, 20% at the other tracks in Ontario.
1: So, John, what went wrong in 2022?
8: It was a case of a lot of bad purchases. It just seemed like perhaps when I was buying horses, I trusted the wrong people. Mm. Um, When you are in a period where you're not successful, you look at everything, you change your feed, you change your hay, you change your program. Um, But I've heard this said before, the most important thing to change is your feed program. You have to feed better horses. And I Mm. think that was my issue.
4: Okay. How did you get into harness racing, John?
8: I guess that was about 35 years ago. Um, I worked at Kingston Park Raceway for a trainer there called Ted Huntback. And I became the backup race announcer at Kingston, I guess as a 16 or 17-year-old. And since then, I've been calling races on and off and training racehorses. So a bit of both were... Uh, Big parts of my career,
1: and and let's divide the two because it sounds like you wear two hats. So, when it comes to training standardbred horses, what's that like? What kind of 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 track do you take when it comes to training standardbred?
8: The biggest thing is effort and just believing in your program, believing in what you're doing, and getting up and doing it every day. Win or lose, the night before you have to continue on the path that you've created and continue uh, with your work ethic, and surround yourself with good people. I've been very fortunate. I've had a lot of great drivers, and I think that's very important in our industry. And it served me well to this point.
1: And calling races, where do you go for that? Where where do you go in you to to do that properly and to do it well?
8: I think it's just the type of thing. I watch a lot of races, both standard-bred and thoroughbred, and... You pick up a bit from many people along the way. Frank Salive is an idol of mine. Um, I think he's the best standard bread announcer of all time. And I still speak with Frank on a regular basis. And uh, I also watch a lot of thoroughbred races, and Pete Yellow at Gulfstream is somebody that I really enjoy listening to.
4: Was there somebody—you mentioned Ted Hunt back before—was there somebody that— was maybe a mentor to you that got you involved in, into uh, harness racing? Or would, would that have been Ted?
8: Yeah, that absolutely was Ted because at Kingston Park Raceway, uh, Ted Huntback was the dominant trainer and driver. And I was fortunate enough to be introduced to him and spent three or four years working underneath Ted. And I just watched and not only from Ted, but other trainers in the region. You just learn a little bit from each one. From the good trainers, you learn what to do, and you look at the bad trainers and learn what not to do.
4: All right, let's uh, go back to Rito carlton for a second, Uh, John. What's it like? uh, You know, it's kind of like an institution, right? Uh, What's it mean to you?
8: Well, Rito carlton has been a huge part of my adult life, and after the fire, We saw how many people were passionate about Rideau-Carlton, its position in in other people's lives in the region. So many families have raced there and made friends there, uh, started relationships there. It's just been such a big part of everybody's world. And we feel that it's a cornerstone in harness racing in eastern Ontario uh, for the entire province.
1: Let's talk about the opening. I believe it is March the 22nd. You tell us that you're on track, if you will, to to meet that opening date. So what is the season going to look like in 2023 at Rideau-Carlton Raceway?
8: Well, our first program is Sunday, March the 19th. We will have 10 races the first two programs. And then as we head into April, the first two weeks of April, we're racing 12 races. And then at that point, we add a second day. So we'll race Thursdays at 4 o'clock, Sundays at 6.30. Uh, We had a strong horse population last season, and our bet was absolutely phenomenal. We have a vast network of simulcast partners that receive the Rito Carlton Signal. We've got great racing, and it's very popular both in Canada and the United States. We have a huge following even out in California. So we hope to have another great season of good, close races and huge handles and a lot of fun for the patrons.
4: Okay. Talk a little bit. You've been involved on the association side as well, correct? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Talk talk about that. How did you get involved in that and, and what are you actually doing?
8: Uh, Gordon McDonald and myself uh, have been involved with the National Capital Region Harness Horse Association. Uh, we represent the horse people, but we're essentially a chapter of COSA, and um, Bill O'Donnell has helped us a great deal. Uh, We rely on him for essentially our structure and the things that are important to us because Bill does a great job and he has a lot more resources available to him. But we just aim to represent the horse people best we can to keep racing as strong as we can. Uh, for as long a period of time as we can.
1: And so give us an example of of a situation where you were able to, to make sure that all of the chips were falling where they should.
8: Well, there are limited resources, as you know, in terms of race dates and purse money. So we had to be very creative in how we structure our schedule to maximize the benefit for horse people. Unfortunately, we were down for three months But we feel that it's very important to go two days a week as quickly as possible because one day a week is very challenging for the horse people and the race secretary to classify the horses into only 10 or 12 races. So getting to two days a week was important to us. So we took a little bit longer break in order to get that two-day-a-week racing started earlier. Okay.
4: Well, if you weren't involved in harness racing, John, what do you think you would be doing?
8: (laughs) Well, I'm a huge Toronto Maple Leaf fan, so it sure would be nice to uh, work in the administration under (laughs) Kyle Dubas. I love it. I'm also feeling very fortunate because with all the trades Dubas has made at the deadline, I think this is our year.
1: (laughs) They're starting to get it together. It's funny. I wish that we could see one another. We're on radio right now, but I'm wearing very proudly my Toronto Maple Leafs ball cap.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Impressive, very impressive.
1: (laughs) 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 So that would be a pipe dream for you. What, What you're doing right now is... Is fantastic, and you know it had to start somewhere. It, there had to be an influence in your life at, as a younger person, uh, whether it was a family member or it is part of your family to be involved in harness racing. Give us a little idea of of your family background.
8: Well, strangely enough, um, both my parents were teachers. Um, my mother in elementary school, my father at the university level, um, and I I went to university and got my MBA at Queens, but. Harness racing was always a passion, and I grew up in Kingston. It was a grassroots racetrack, but it was a lot of fun. Mm. So I learned the fun and the respect for the animal long before I learned the business side. It was a great place to go for the residents of Kingston, and my grandparents used to take me when I was a child. So I always felt intrigued by what went on on the racetrack, and I wanted to be part of it.
4: Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. You've watched a lot of horse races, harness races. Greatest horse you ever saw a race?
8: I would have to say Admiral's Express. Um, it was kind of a rags-to-riches story. Uh, one of the most durable horses I've ever seen. Tough as nails, looked like he was beaten at the top of the stretch, and he would fight back. And I just admired his courage on the racetrack.
4: And you couldn't miss him on the track. <laughs> he was almost white. Yeah.
8: Yeah, yeah, he was an awful lot of fun to watch, and he had an incredible fan base, and I was a big part of it.
1: You know, your passion comes through immediately and, and it, with such power. Is it still fun, though, for you? The
8: work is getting harder the older I get. Um, so I would say the daily routine is... It's fun on a nice sunny day. Uh, It's very tough in January, February. But still, when you are driving to the racetrack, the closer you get, your heart starts to pound as you see the other trucks and trailers arriving. And you have the program in your hand, and you're just dying to see what's going to unfold in those 10 or 12 races that evening.
4: Well, here's to a successful 2023 for you and Rito Carlton. And thanks for doing this, John.
0: My pleasure.
1: After the break, when we come back, Woodbine's Mark McKelvey joins us on Ponies 24-7, The Radio Magazine.
0: Ponies 24-7, The Radio Magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario?
6: Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Lisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario, with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse ownership today.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Mark McKelvey, definitely a friend of the show, Senior Manager of Communications, Woodbine. Good to have you with us.
9: Hey, guys. How are you doing today?
1: Well, we're recovering from the big snow dumping last night, so it begs the first question. How do you handle clearing the track after a major snowstorm like what we saw last night and overnight?
9: Yeah, well, unfortunately, this has kind of become a little bit of a reoccurring uh, trend, at least this week. Uh, On Monday night, we got the races going, but unfortunately had to cancel after five races as the heavy snow just kept coming down and and to your point it, it makes it very difficult to, to keep the surface uh in tip-top shape but uh we lost monday night and then of course lost last night for friday so uh it's been tough winter does have its challenges and, and specifically for the the crew that takes care of our racing surface um you know they can get out there and they can take they can clear the snow off uh, very similar to how you and i would go out and shovel our, our driveways you know they have the equipment and the machines there that can that can take the snow right off the track but um it does make a big mess and and you know then you've got to look at what the surface is like once you do that and um you know they'll spend hours on hours working that track just to make sure that it's in good shape um a lot of the biggest challenges they do face through the the winter months is when you get the the deep freezes and then we get mild temperatures and the track begins to thaw Those, that's probably way more difficult for our track crew than uh than the snowstorms that we've seen this week as uh it is a case of just making sure you can clear it and and making sure that the track is still holding up good underneath all that snow and and if anyone's been to, to woodwind mohawk park recently um you know, we, we never were a, a winter racing facility for quite some time. It wasn't until, you know, five years ago or so that we, we started racing year-round, and you start to realize there's a lot that's got to go into when you get a snowstorm, not just the track, but the parking lots, the the, the trackside aprons. So um, I think everyone's seen the, the mountains of snow that are piling up around our mm-hmm. facility.
1: All the joys of winter in mm-hmm. Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah, and, and I'm old enough, Mark, to remember when they did race it, at Mohawk uh, in like they, they would start in March, but one of the biggest problems is Mohawk became a, a, a fog bowl at that time. It was just because of where it was situated, it would be foggy and there would be races canceled because of the fog. Is it still like that now?
9: Yeah, it still is. Uh, you really face those challenges at like the time of the year that you just mentioned there, into the spring and then, of course, in the fall. I would say that we've been pretty fortunate, though. I know a lot of people that mentioned when we moved... Uh, to year-round racing at mohawk they thought oh you're gonna lose several nights a year due to the fog and and i would say on average i'm not even sure we're losing one a year mm. I, I can i'm trying to recall here in the last several years how many times we've had to cancel due to that thick fog and um it probably is about maybe one a year you know we had one not too long ago but that was the first one we'd had in a while and uh, obviously with today's technology and you got your tracking chips and all the saddle pads Uh, You can still put on the show, but it it does become a a safety concern at a certain point. Usually when you talk to the drivers after the race, they'll tell you that it's not nearly as bad as the the TV makes it look. But um, you're right up near the escarpment there. It can get really thick and real heavy. So we do have our challenges that we face at at Mohawk, but uh, I think... Uh, once we transition there year-round, I think everybody's done a really good job to kind of identify those challenges and to make sure that we have plans for them. And, and for the most part, you know, we don't lose too many race dates. This has been a bit of a, a struggle this winter, but this has been a little more than, than the average, I would say.
1: And what about the horses? How do they adjust to the changing conditions?
9: Yeah, that's, you know, that's a good question. And, and you know, recently we've had some just different weather, really, when you think about it, the the drastic change in temperature to the fact that, you know, we had temperature down in the you know, minus 25 range one evening for racing, and then uh, you know, next week it gets up to about plus 10. So the, the big challenge is always for the trainers is that a lot of sickness starts going through their barn, and, and that's probably really tough on, on the horses as well. Just like you, you and I, you know, you, you get a cold, and it seems to spread from uh, person to person, and that's similar with the horses. But when you get down to it, um, you know, these horses, are, they're, they're a real tough breed as well. So the, the weather in the winter doesn't seem to phase them all that much. You know, the cold temperatures, obviously, when it gets to a certain point, we have to cancel out of safety for everyone. But the cold doesn't seem to bother them. A lot of them can get through the snow uh, just fine. So, um, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky that we have such a such a tough group of animals. But safety and, and you know, the best interest of everyone involved is is always our number one priority, uh, especially uh, this time of the year where you've got to constantly be monitoring, uh, monitoring the conditions.
4: All right. Let's talk about something positive though. uh, This past week, there was a major announcement uh, by you guys regarding the Mohawk Million, which will be contested September 23rd. Talk about the Million and let's talk about the process, the unique process of entering a horse for this race.
9: Yeah, well, amazingly, we're we're coming up now on our, our fourth edition of the Mohawk Million, and uh, it's modeled very much after the the Pegasus uh, at Gulfstream, um, very similar to when that race was launched. Uh, there's nine slots available in the race. Each slot is priced at a hundred thousand uh, dollars. So again, it's not uh, for for every man in in the racing industry, but um, there has been uh, several of our key key owners and key stakeholders that have stepped up over the years and breeders as well and essentially uh, february 15th is the final day to submit to purchase a slot and we had all nine slots purchased mm. this year once again so we were able to go on with the race and as i mentioned it's hundred thousand dollars a spot so you can do the math right there nine <laughs> slots that brings us to nine hundred thousand wow. and then the tenth and final slot goes to the winner of the william wellwood memorial which takes place in late august so we we grant a free spot to whoever wins that race and then you get your field of 10 it's for two-year-old trotters so if you buy this slot here in february uh, obviously you're probably still not sure what you've got when it comes to your two-year-olds you're hoping that you maybe have the next champion but essentially you don't have to enter your horse until the week of the race so if you If you own a slot and it turns out you just don't have a horse of that caliber to to race at that top level, you can go ahead and make any sort of deal you want. You you own that slot. You could sell it to somebody that has a a horse that maybe wants to race in that spot. You could go pick one out yourself and and work out a deal with the connections of that horse. Uh, It's very flexible with uh, your options of what you want to do with that slot. So um, We're really lucky that I think that we've got a lot of good supporters in our industry who see that there's a lot of value in this. Uh, This race and what it comes down to for me is there's only a few million dollar races in the harness racing game in North America. Uh, At one point there was, you know, probably close to double digits. Now we're down to just a few, the Pepsi North America cup and the Mohawk million. The other two races would be the Hamiltonian at the Meadowlands and the, and the Yonkers, uh, the international trot at yonkers um so there's only four races right there so they're they're very important um not just for prestige but also i think for the breeding industry it does a lot for the breeders out there when you can have a mare or a stallion that's involved with a winner uh, of a million dollar race so it, it's very valuable and, and i think it's good that we've been able to keep this race going because it, it certainly had its challenges at the start we of course we launched it and, and a pandemic hit so mm-hmm. um yeah, i don't know if we've completely been able to get this race to, to the point of what we originally envisioned, but we, we get another crack at it and it continues to grow.
1: Before we move to the thoroughbred side of things, are you seeing more interest these days in standard racing?
9: I think if you go and look at the fact that last year, and I know I've been on here before talking about our, our record handle in 2022, but... What, what I'm really noticing is, is our continued growth um, internationally and, and outside of uh, Canada. Obviously, in the U.S., our, our brand continues to get a lot stronger. And, uh, you know, recently I had an opportunity to, to see some survey results. You know, we have a we have a great crew uh, behind the scenes at, at Woodbine that is constantly trying to find out who our customers are and, and where they're coming from and what they like to uh, wager on. And what we're really seeing is there's a, a big correlation between those that, I Like to wager on thoroughbred racing, and also like to then as well wager on standardbred racing. I think there's a bit of a myth out there that you're one or the other. You're either a thoroughbred person or, or a standardbred person. And what it's really coming down to, I think, is uh, with the you know advancement in technology and as well as social media, we're seeing that um, you know the and and especially with sports betting continuing to grow, people are wagering on anything. And what they want though is they want competitive races. They want large pools and uh, good opportunities to to make a big winning. So I think we're able to give that on on both sides. And so we get a lot of crossover and, uh, it's there is definitely, I think, some some increased growth. And, you know, now it comes back to as well, just continuing to grow the sport uh, close to home as well, and and maybe generating that next generation of not necessarily horse players, but as well as those that will want to participate in the sport, whether that be as owners or or more hands on as the trainers and caretakers and drivers.
1: <laughs> Good answer. <Yep>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so.
4: so. I guess uh, switching uh, switching gates, we could say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're not supposed to laugh so hard at your own jokes, Larry. Oh, okay. Let us do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're a doll.
4: The uh, thoroughbred backstretch at Woodbine opened uh, this past week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, any idea how many horses are, are there? I know they were kind of delayed going in because of weather, but uh, mm-hmm. um, what's the reception been like so far?
9: Yeah, I think I think the numbers are continuing to grow. Well, obviously, continue to grow with each day. It just continues to pick up. I think we're getting close to 100 horses on the backstretch already. So, um, and then obviously that's just going to continue to uh, to go up over the next week or two. And uh, I think the the reaction obviously is it, it, it just shows that the the off season's a lot shorter than than you realize. Uh, it feels like we just shut down the 2022 season, and here we go now getting set for 2023. And a lot of optimism for this year as well because of Uh, Some of the stuff I mentioned as well on the business side, we had such a a great season when it came to our wagering. And now you look ahead and we're going to have a big opportunity this year to really um, capitalize on on a name change and the rebranding to the King's plate. So I think there's a lot of uh, people eager and excited about what's to come here in the, uh, this next season coming up and uh, you know, we're not too far away really from opening day, you know, mid mid, and late April will be coming around the corner and uh, as well, we're continuing to track those that are racing south of the border uh, who will be coming home as well. So uh, I think everyone's starting to gear up.
1: Mark, Yesterday, it was announced by Buckingham Palace that King Charles and the Queen Consort Camilla would be traveling to France and to Germany, and it's coming up very quickly. Is there any chance that there might be an announcement that King Charles might make it to the king's plate?
9: You know what? Uh, They're they're obviously, as soon as we had to you know, rename the race and, and we put that announcement out of it being called the King's plate. We, we of course um, make sure to send that announcement right to the, to the Royals. And uh, I, at this point, the, there's nothing to update on that front. I think we're, we, we did do a bit of a look into what could be lying ahead and I think there might be a visit to Canada scheduled in May. Uh, obviously that doesn't line up right now with the dates of, of the King's plate, which is going to take place uh, in late August. So um, not sure that that will be happening this year, but that being said, Um, You know, we're certainly looking at any opportunities we could to uh, um, get them out to to Woodbine when they do make that visit. I'm not entirely sure where they're visiting Canada at that moment, but, um, you know, that's sort of the updates we get. And and it is kind of cool. I got to say that, um, you know, with everything that's happened uh, in the last year and and the passing of of the Queen, and then obviously, you know, we had to really um, react quickly as well, just like a lot of uh, you don't realize um, just – the impact that has right across the world and, and to know that, you know, we're a little part of that as well, which is kind of unique and, and a lot of fun, not just on a personal level to, you know, watch the news and to see something that has such a widespread impact across the world. And to know that, um, you know, that's impacting us uh, in our day-to-day lives at our work as well. So I thought that was quite neat and it'd be great if we could get we could get a visit in there. We're, we're always mm-hmm. keeping our uh, mm-hmm. ears to the ground and, and making sure we're communicating to see if there is those opportunities
4: down the road. It
1: mm-hmm. would be a crowning glory, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. But uh, <laughs> before we let you go, Mark, uh, you've watched a lot of races during the year because of your job on both the Thoroughbred and the bread mm-hmm. side. For 2023 what race are you looking most forward to seeing on the thoroughbred and the standard bread side?
9: Hmm, that's a really good question. I, I guess I, I don't want to, um, I don't, I can't get too far ahead here when I answer on the thoroughbred side, but I would say keep, keep your eyes open for our stake schedule when it gets announced here. Hopefully in the next week or so we'll be able to, to unveil our stake schedule for 2023. And I think, uh, people will see that, uh, we got a big year plan so maybe when you have me on uh, you know another point this season i can probably give you the full answer on that one and maybe when you see the the uh, stakes release come out you'll you'll know what race i'm talking about but on the standard red side uh, the race i'm most looking forward to this year and it's probably a bit of a, an easy answer to come out and say the, the Pepsi North America cup, but I'm really excited about the Pepsi North America cup this year, because I thought we had a really nice group of two year old pacers last year, which included uh, a real local star named stockade sealster. He's going to be coming back. And um, this is just a race that to me, it, it fits so perfectly into the, the steak schedule on the standard bread side, because we get to have that race in June. And at that point it, it's, it's not yet proven who the top three-year-old is just yet You know, we found when we had that race later in the year uh due to covid your numbers come down on the amount of entries you get because uh hey there's usually a top horse sort of scared off some of the fringe players but early enough in the season everybody still thinks they have a shot and you can usually get two sometimes three eliminations it makes it a lot of fun and when we have a, a nice local star as well that obviously adds a little more uh another element of, of excitement. So I'm really looking forward uh, to that race, which um, we're going to be announcing the how many nom- nominations we received for that race. Uh, probably that'll come out here in the next week as well. And uh, the numbers are strong, good support this year. So that's really an encouraging sign for for our biggest race of the season.
1: Hmm. Mark McElvey, you communicate so well. That's why you are Senior Manager Communications <laughs> Woodbine. Thanks for joining us on the show.
9: All right. Thank you very much. Look forward to chatting again.
1: After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine Mohawk Park. So make sure that your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready for overtime action today. Stay with us for Larry's Pony's Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com.
7: Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision.
6: Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view the award winning Hyundai lineup today as the I Love Winter event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851, or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice.
0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems, as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocketship Racing. It's all yours, Larry.
4: Thanks, Ann. Let's uh, start at Gulfstream. As we mentioned earlier, they host a very super 14 race card today with nine stakes races, including the... $400,000 Grade 2 Fountain of Youth. Race 9, though, is the Here Comes the Bride Stakes, a Grade 3 purse of uh, $200,000 for 3-year-old fillies. 12 fillies have been entered, and number 7, Cairo Concert, is a filly that is very familiar to woodbine betters, having started her career in the Nathan Squire's barn until being sold late last year, and now races out of Hall of Fame trainer, Todd Pletcher's. Cairo Concert is 2-for-2 for Pletcher, her last race, the Grade 3 Sweet Chance uh, Cairo Concert, closed well to win in a career best 82 buyer, which is also the best on the page. Cairo Concert looks like a filly with some untapped talent. She's getting better. She's four for uh, four uh, lifetime, she, uh, two for two on the Gulf Stream, and, and one for three distance. Leading jockey Irid Ortiz uh, stays aboard today in the Here Comes the Bride. And it looks like all systems point to her uh, winning this race. Uh, she continues, uh, I think, to uh, continues her streak. By the way, I might add that the combo of Ortiz and Pletcher are 31% at Gulfstream and 27% combined in 2022-23. So Gulfstream Park, race nine, number seven, Cairo Concert. Santa Anita hosts a good stakes race card today, including the grade two San Felipe, which offers points for entry to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Twelve races are on the slate today, and race seven is a mile and an eighth on the turf for four-year-olds, and up purse of $75,000. Number eight, Lincoln Hawk, had no chance in his last race at all at Santa Anita on February 5th, which was at a mile on the turf. In that race, Lincoln uh, Hawk didn't get away from the gate very well, was blocked at the 7-16th pole, but once jockey Rispoli got Lincoln Hawk off the rail and to the outside, this horse closed rapidly, really responded, got up for third. Lincoln Hawk has an extra eighth of a mile to work with today and I like the fact that Rispoli has been uh, signed on again to ride. uh, Trainer Paul D'Amato worked Lincoln Hawk a decent four furlong maintenance work on February the uh, 19th and Lincoln Hawk is one for three at today's mile distance. So Santa Anita race seven number eight Lincoln Hawk. The Meadowlands has another 14 race card tonight. Race 11 is a one-mile pace for purse of $10,500. Number 7, Chaser Hanover, is starting to show the signs that a win is close by. Two starts back, Chaser Hanover was a close uh, second, beating a half length in one fifty-one flat last quarter in 28 seconds. Last week, after being off 14 days, Chaser Hanover uh, drew the deaded 10 hole, but still closed for fourth, timed in 151-2 last quarter in 27-1. Tonight he draws the seven post, which should give his uh, driver, Mark McDonald, some options. Possibly we'll see a quick leave from the gate, like we saw two races back. I like the fact that Chaser Hanover is back on a seven-day rotation, and there's also a Sub, subtle, I guess you'd say, class drop that should also help the cause. So the Meadowlands race, uh, race 11, number seven, Chaser Hanover. And finally, Woodbine Mohawk Park has another 12 race card tonight. Race eight is a one mile pace for person $19,000. I've always subscribed to a handicapping rule that if you bet a horse one week and he or she doesn't win, then you bet it right back. Hmm. And this is what we have in tonight's eighth race tonight with number five, Tango Sealster who was a pony's pick last week. I thought this guy was coming up to a big race, and he didn't disappoint with a good second-place race uh, finish. Tonight is the key third off the layoff for this horse, and that horse that finishes second in their last start is usually a great handicapping angle as well. Tango Seelster gets the start from the middle of the gate tonight instead of buried on the one post and looks to have a big shot. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race eight, number five, Tango Seelster.
1: Larry, I'll bet you put a lot of effort into that. It was fantastic. Thank you so much. See you next Saturday. And before we go, a big shout-out to Mark at fans of horse racing. Hello and goodbye. Speaking of goodbye, thank you for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a little reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, and a new one will be released shortly, please email Larry Simpson at theponies247 experience at gmail.com And don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign, Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma. For more information on this, please go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca forward slash ponies, and donate to this incredibly worthy cause. Stay with us here on 105.9 The Region all weekend long. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson, has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.